Saving the world starts at home. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Superman and Lois from the first two episodes is Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. <laughs> Glad to be here and talking soups. Right? It feels so weird. We've gone so long without a CW superhero show that wasn't a repeat from HBO Max. I'm really looking forward to this discussion because I like Tyler um, Hecklin as Superman when he first cameoed on Supergirl. He wasn't initially what I ex- like envisioned for a Superman because for me, I had watched him in Teen Wolf. And in Teen Wolf, I don't know if it was camera angles or whatever, but he always seemed super short to me in Teen Wolf. When he became Superman on Supergirl, they did enough like cinematography where he was so far away that a lot of times you couldn't really tell his height because he was flying or they did the big wide shots where the team was all together, like in the crossovers and things. And so when he got onto super or when Superman and Lois premiered, I was like, he seems really taller, much taller than I remember him to being. Did he have a growth spurt? And I'm like, this is a grown man. He can't have a growth spurt. So I had to Google his height and it turned out that he was actually six foot. And I was like, he's been six foot all this time. I did not know this, but that's sort of a side sidetrack to our discussion today. Superman and Lois stars Tyler Hecklin as Clark Kent, Elizabeth Tulloch as Lois Lane. Their two children are Jordan Kent and Jonathan Kent, played by Alex Garfin and Jordan Elsis, respectively. What did you think of the pilot? What did you think of just the overall feeling you got from watching watching it before we dive into the characters. Again, I got this whole feeling of hopefulness, this surge in my chest, this this feeling of like this is a contemporary Superman. This is our new generation of what what, what people fe- probably felt with the Christopher Reeve films, but. For me and you, Luke. Right. And 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 so that this this I just felt joy, just pure, unadulterated joy throughout that pilot. I think that it was a very lean pilot. I think that the for instance, the introduction of of Clark Kent's backstory, you know, it's it was very condensed. Gave Listen, you all the information. I am thankful for that because everybody knows Batman and Superman's origin story. We don't have to have it every time. So if they can condense it, I'm okay. Yeah, and it was perfect because it was also a nice segue, the way to kind of thread in what we knew in terms of the origin, which had, really wasn't going to truly change, you know, through, you know, more or less his introduction and kind of like, the setting up of the relationship. And I think that was the key to this, to that, in, those, those three, that three minute introduction was setting up the relationship between Clark and Lois, because 
we've gotten that in the old Lois, Lois and Clark show from the 90s, th- that relationship. We got a little bit of a taste of it with their appearances on Supergirl, but we've kind of filled in the gaps. And we've also kind of... So remember, they've kind of had to adjust things a little bit in terms of maybe the timeline of their relationship because of the crisis. Right. So um, it, it really gives you everything that you need to be able to to start watching this, that, this series right within those first three to four minutes, and boom, you're off to the races. Um, I like that you also use that 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 time to kind of set up the dynamic between the twins, uh, Jordan and Jonathan, you kind of get a little taste of their personalities. You also get a, 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 di- a little bit of a, a dive into the issues, the, um, the social anxiety issues that Jordan faces. Really, really can't, you couldn't ask for more than that. Uh, but overall, I thought that this was a very perfect pilot, really. I do have a few niggles about some things. That, what that is we'll, a niggle? A critique, a small, a small critique, small critique. Okay. Um, really, really, one of my only r- real small critiques is I really don't necessarily feel like they had to kill Martha off. I, I think that it. I personally. Do you remember Smallville? Yes, I. I, I mean, I, all I, ten I, seasons. Of I did too. I did too. But Martha started out as what felt like an integral character. And by the time it was done, she'd pretty much been completely phased out. I sort of respect the fact that they just did away with her right away and let her death be the catalyst for the story going forward. I'm okay with that. Well, we'll see. And I can, I I can respect that decision and, and I'm not, my only real gripe is, is I'm thinking in terms of you know, of a of talking about a contemporary uh, 2021 family and the sort of issues that that families are are dealing with. And one of those things is these these that sandwich generation. These these uh, parents who they're they're dealing these adults who are dealing with have, having to raise children, but also who have parents who have health issues. And I think that that would have been an interesting angle to explore and that's not to say that you needed to have martha throughout the end um throughout the the entire run of the show or even like the majority of the run but i think i would have enjoyed an opportunity to see martha interact with her grandchildren because again this is a first we really we have not had a superman show movie whatever in which Martha gets to interact with her grandchildren. And I think that's a nice, that's a story element that they've lost. Now, granted, they can give that back to us in the form of flashbacks that take place prior to the pilot. But I do think that that is a lost uh, opportunity for stories. Um, so before we get to my like initial reaction to the pilot, I, I would like for you to clarify, I for those of us who are more casual comic book readers, I loved Super Sons with John and Damien. Love the comic book. I like followed it. I think I like I think I got the entire run and I I know at some point they paused it, but with COVID and everything, getting into the comic store has not been as easy. I'm not sure if it's like they've done something new with it. But I love Super Sons. I love Damien and John. When I saw the original casting, I was like, huh, there's two sons instead of one. 
So explain to people who may be more casual comic book followers why we now have two sons instead of one. That's the crisis. Because remember you that that those last few that was throughout the crisis. Remember when when are we um, talk? Well, just to clarify, are we talking television crisis or comic book crisis? Because I'm asking for the basis for these characters based on comics. Well, I'm I, well. Well, the basis there is no basis for the two of them in in comics other than Jonathan. Okay, um, so I'm not off my rocker by saying we have an extra child who's never been in comics. Correct. I mean, oh, okay. I thought okay. I thought that I had missed like a comic run somewhere, like an alternate Earth or something like that, where there is a Superman and Lois who have two children. Well, there are there are examples of that in DC Comics lore, but ty- typically it's one son, one daughter. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, um, but with this, again, like the basis of this version, it stems from the crisis why we have twins. Now instead of one one sing, one one child, uh, but what but getting but I do want to slide in there what you mentioned about uh, Super Sons and in terms of uh, additional Super Sons comics. Now there there has been a digital first Super Sons comic that has been coming out since COVID, uh, and I know and I know that uh, what DC t- typically does is they'll they'll do the di- they'll have the digital they'll uh, offer it online first. And then they'll do a print edition. So I'm I'm positive, I'm fairly certain that the current Super Sons comic has already uh, a print version of that has already started rolling out. If not, but the original, it's but the original Super Sons, which is what I was referring to, was ended. Correct. That original series, yeah. yes that that series you were I, thinking about. I like I love those two characters, Damien and John, as the good and the dark. I loved it, but I digress. I I will only say that I really wanted a Super Sons TV show, and now I'm not sure if I can get one. My first impressions of the pilot was the CW superheroes have finally grown up. Um, everything about this episode felt to me like it had the weight and importance of the movies. This was not, like, the pilot did not feel like this series is going to become episode of the week it did not feel like we're gonna get weird aliens and like it did not feel like we're gonna get distracted by subplots for the side characters maybe that's because the cast right now is so lean um with it being primarily just clark and lois and lois's father who is played by dylan walsh general sam lane Dylan Walsh, I loved him in Nip Tuck, and he is a fantastic actor. But I love the idea that in this series, the entire family is in on it basically from the get-go, from day one or from episode one, and it's not this giant secret for Lois's dad to find out that Superman, that Clark is Superman. I love that element, and I was happy that the boys find out within the first two episodes about him being Superman as well. I th- I feel like there's a progression going on at the CW it, that sort of started with Stargirl. Stargirl can sort of be episode of the week, but it has a bigger arc that makes it so it doesn't feel that way, even though it's a teen show. And this now is the, the adult version of that, when Flash first pr- premiered, I loved The Flash because it made me feel like I was reading a really fun comic. 
Arrow was never really my cup of tea, but I watched it because I liked uh, the original cast and I was intrigued. But it just became, for, for me, the CW's Arrow version of Batman. Oliver Queen was basically Bruce Wayne, but Oliver Queen for all intent and purposes, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Well. And well, when you start, well, Luke, I'm going to say to your point, sorry if I interrupted you, but, you know, when you start lo- dumping in Rajal Ghoul, right. Talia, right. And, when you, and so I love The Flash. I, w- I enjoyed Arrow. The Legends of Tomorrow are a little bit like they've got. They're, they're a bit of a roller coaster because some seasons can just be fantastic and some seasons can be terrible. Supergirl never actually found a strong thread after its first season. And if you just go down the series, they all sort of fit that Flash model. With the exception of Arrow, which predates it, they all sort of, after Flash, fit the Flash model. This well, Superman does not fit the Flash model, and I love it. Well, yeah, I, obviously, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love Superman and Lois, too. It breaks that mold. But I will want to point out that Black Lightning, you know, really, I think okay. that art and started. I, and, I should, and I should say there, I was not referring to Black Lightning because until the crossover event, Black Lightning was not in the Arrowverse. So I'm referring to everything that took place in those shows. I do think you are right with Black Lightning in terms of it being completely independent. Like when it first premiered, because it was independent and not part of the universe, they definitely took risks. They definitely did creative things with Black Lightning, but they only ended up bringing that in through Crisis. Whereas Superman and Lois is part of is part of the Arrowverse from the beginning. Well, well, not necessarily because remember when Supergirl first started, it was it was on CBS and set on an alternate Earth, and it just so happened that Barry met Kara, and they right. started but you, going you, back you and can't, forth. You can't tell me Look, it started on an alternate Earth, but they had the Barry crossover almost immediately, it, yeah. which to me basically says. It's part of the Arrowverse, whether it's on the same realm. I'm talking Arrowverse in terms of shows, not actual realms. Okay, okay, and I see, and so, so this is where you and I differ a little bit because I'm thinking in terms of production styles and storytelling styles. You and, don't think and... that Supergirl has the exact same type of production style as the Flash? <gasps> oh no, 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 no! It definitely does. It's plug and play. It literally is. I'm saying that my argument is is that we started to see this growing up, this evolution of moving a little bit away from that Flash style of plug and play. Because again, like you said, Arrow was its own thing initially, but then, you know, it essentially set up the mold that the Flash literally, and pardon the pun, ran with. We got Supergirl, we got Legends. When you get to Black Lightning, again, part of that is that because it was set on an alternate Earth, but we did see some of those storytelling elements that we get with those other <laughs> CW Arrowverse shows. But in terms of the storytelling, the family, the the family dynamic that we have from Jump, you know, I see more in terms of that model relationship wise, I mean, in terms of the relationships 
the production. Uh, I start to see more similarities with Black Lightning to Superman and Lois and really see that that's when that evolution kind of occurred. Stargirl, you know, really, like you said, you know, up the stakes because of the way it's filmed. And I think think, that, I think that what, and I realize that we're digressing from Superman and Lois, but I think what (laughs) it is is that the DC shows in the Arrowverse have finally perfected what it means to be family on their shows. Yeah. You look, if you look at, and, and I think that that started with Black Lightning. So I will give you credit for pointing that out because Black Lightning with the um, Jefferson's family, that was a family unit. That was a story of the emotional impact of what these four characters are going through as each of them are um, dealing with what it means to either be a superhero or be to the, of the family member of a superhero. And the interpersonal dynamics of those carried through whereas on arrow oliver queen was there but his mom was gotten rid of for a while speedy was around but there was always something going on between her and oliver where it never really felt like family they just sort of felt like two rich kids who are (laughs) not always but a lot of times they felt like two rich kids who were sort of doing their own life and then they came together when necessary type thing. It didn't always feel like they were actually family. Yeah. The most that you actually get a family feeling, ironically, would be on the flash with the team. Like they have like what what I think started as sort of like a germination of a seed on the flash with the family dynamic that built up around Barry Iris and the rest of their team has now evolved across the shows but i think that black lightning not being an arrowverse show was the first show that really nailed it and then star girl saw the six like that dynamic and built on it and now the evolution has us where we're at superman and lois and it's i mean the pilot was pretty much flawless for me i like i would give it five out of five i enjoyed it that much so, so I, you know what, one of the other things that I think, and, and I go back to a production standpoint um, on Superman and Lois that I find really intriguing, and I'm is is the use of these outdoor shots, and and I'm wondering, is that like a COVID thing? Is it a, you know, taking cues from Smallville because that was one of the nice little hallmarks of Smallville where you know they'd always use those sort of exterior shots of the Kent farm, you know, you would see people in, in the fields and whatnot to kind of set things up. And I'm wondering if that's like a storytelling element that they brought over from Smallville or is it just uniquely because of COVID? I think it's a combination of COVID. I think it's the fact that you're in the middle of nowhere. You have, there's a lot of open space in Kansas. So I feel like if this was cityscapes, on Supergirl, we'd be seeing towers. We don't have towers, so now in Smallville, so now we're just filming fields, if that makes sense. Um, let's talk a little bit more about that family dynamic. What did you think of Clark, Lois as parents? Because that is a major through line. And what did you think of how they're doing as parents to Jordan and Jonathan? Well, I honestly, and again, I preface this as I'm not. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do not have any children. <laughs> so I'm going to preface this when I say this, that I think that just in my ob- observing of people with children, particularly teen children, I think that it really feels like something that you could see in so- a snapshot of someone's house that particularly when you have a couple Clark and Lois who are pretty much most of the time in lockstep they in formation and I like that we are seeing them make decisions have real conversations about ha- about their children as a unit it feels like a very mature relationship it's not this um you know that back and forth you know it just it just it just feels like they're in lockstep which i think is is wonderful now when it comes to their handling of jonathan and George, i think all families have their secrets i think um all families have their struggles and i think that you know because you know the main secret is is that you know clark is superman and has these powers is trying to figure out how and when to you know share this information with jonathan and jordan and I do like that the fact that Clark, uh, for instance, is struggling, uh, you know, with what to share. Um, he feels like this sort of natural pull, I think, more to Jonathan because Jonathan's much more outgoing. He's he's much more, you know, inherently athletic. A lot of these things that we we sort of associate with Clark um, and with John and with Jordan, he's much more reserved. He has the social anxiety issues. He feels very alien when he finds out he's actually half alien. He freaks out more. I, it, it's 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 very it, it feels very real. And and then Lois, Lois is that mother you don't mess with. Lois, it, it, Super Clark may have the powers. But oh, she Lois wears she her- she wears the super suit in that like this. She wears the pants in that house. There is no question about that. Uh, Clark Kent is sexy muscle. She wears the pants. I loved it when she came in the pilot when her when uh, Sam came back. General Lane returned. It was like okay, we need Superman to go into action. There's been another incident at a nuclear facility and she's like no 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 he is not leaving this house i don't care if he got to save 50 million people we got business we have to take care of in this house first and i loved it because they were both scared What did you think of Jordan and Jonathan's dynamic i because of super sons i was expecting Jonathan to be the more good boy, which in this case he is. But in the in, in this incarnation, he's also sort of the golden child with like the, the quarterback and the girlfriend and all of that element. But even though they're twins, what you see is that he has immense empathy for his brother and is trying to do whatever he can in his small way to protect him, or to protect Jordan. And what I thought was interesting, especially as we got further into episode two, was the fact that even though Jonathan for a while believed that he had no powers or still believes that he has no powers at the end of episode two, but originally once he discovered that it wasn't him or once, let me back up, once Clark and and Lois discovered that it wasn't 
Jonathan that saved Jordan, and in fact it was Jordan who protected Jonathan when the pipes fell on them, he didn't really begrudge his brother the fact that he had superpowers. And in twin, I don't know about twin dynamics, but in brotherly dynamics, you can get jealousy for that kind of thing, especially if the golden child is suddenly usurped by someone else who suddenly has more than what the golden child is accustomed to getting. I thought that it was a really, I thought that this was really well done in terms of how they gave us that twist where Jonathan is like, you know, I've, I've had it good all this time. It's time for you to have something good. Yeah. I, I love that twist. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the fact that they're twins, I think really helps. I'm wondering if that I'm sure down the line, there's going to be some, some bit of, of conflict and we've kind of seen it brewing, but it's more of, you know, we had to move to, Smallville from Metropolis because Jordan is exhibiting powers and and my parents feel like we need a change in pace. This is why I feel Superman and Lois is the Arrowverse grown up. The fact that Lois had the conversation with Jonathan on the stairs about how much he'd sacrificed, even though it had never been brought up, prior to that and the fact that she was acknowledging it and then the fact that he basically admitted that he he had some of those feelings but he was never voicing them at that point because he ended up going off later this is the Arrowverse finally growing up and I love it yeah it's 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 very clear that uh, Lois is very intuitive to her, her children's needs which I think is very smart writing I think that you don't Every, not everything needs to be verbalized. I think that the fact that we're getting a lot of nonverbal communication between these act, these actors and actresses, um, and then that it, it's touched upon later on in other scenes, I think it's, again, like you said, it is very smart te- uh, storytelling. It is, I think, a nice hallmark of what we, we, we're now doing you Luke dub as Arrowverse uh, grown up and um, I hope that this continues Uh, but it's it's also like those nice little nubs and uh, for instance and we haven't really talked about the uh, Lane Cushing family you know we kind of get sort of those things too and it's a it's kind of this interesting inverse when we um, when we look at that at that family versus the Kents right let's use this as a segue because We've got two villains so far in the series. We have one that is impacting Clark, a.k.a. Superman, and one that's impacting Lois. Clark's is Captain Luther, who's from another Earth, and believes that Clark is going to destroy humanity the way that Clark did on his Earth. And then we have Morgan Edge, who I will admit I am not familiar with. Um, but I watched that actor in a series on FX a few years ago in which he basically played the younger um, brother of a Saudi dictator, or not a Saudi, but a a Middle Eastern dictator. But he's a fantastic actor, and I'm looking to see where this goes. But Lois, by the end of episode two, because her story is written by by him, because he owns the paper that she writes for, she gives her resignation and goes to work for the local Smallville paper 
and is now going to be sniffing out stories for the Smallville paper. I do think that it's interesting how they're giving Lois the human side, the Smallville side, which when we think of Smallville, we, we often think of, in part because of the series Smallville, Clark Kent. And we don't think of that being Lois's domain. We think of Metropolis and reporting big stories and all that kind of stuff as Lois's domain. But suddenly, it's Lois who is back in Smallville fighting the big bad, in this case for her, Morgan Edge. And Clark is the one who's away a lot. So what are you thinking of these two villains? Well, okay, so <laughs> so this is not the first Morgan Edge we've gotten in, in the quote-unquote Arrowverse, or we could even call this the post-Arrowverse era. And we'll call it the Mo- post-crisis era. The post, okay, post-crisis era. <laughs> the post-crisis era. This version of Morgan Edge, I think, and I'm wondering if they're taking more hints from silver age comic version of morgan edge and i'm not and and i'm not over too versed in the silver age version of morgan edge versus the post uh crisis on infinite earth version of morgan edge from the comics um but you know there are similarities in which you know he morgan edge bought the the uh the daily planet morgan edge made life difficult for uh, Clark Kent and Lois, what I do think, what I do find interesting in this version of Morgan Edge is, is that why Smallville? I mean, is it, is there something that he knows possibly about Clark and that's why he's targeting Smallville or is it just happens to be that From- Smallville is just ripe? From, epi- from episode two, it sounds like he come. He's one of these investors who comes in and and basically strips all the value out of a mine or out of the community where the mine is based. Yeah. I mean, based on episode two in that town hall meeting, it this Smallville just happens to have mines. Yeah, and and, and so yeah, and so it's not the Vinyl Luther. Which I'm I'm totally which I'm totally okay with, but I have to say, Captain Luther took me by surprise because I was not expecting a Luther other than Lex with Superman. Like that when it was when that was revealed and he came out of the suit, I was like, "Oh, this is new, and I'm intrigued." Yeah, and so I was, and and, to be, and I got to probably maybe I should stop reading these spoiler sites or or something. So I knew I don't, I don't read spoilers. I read castings, but I don't read spoilers. Well, there were there was hinting when the casting news came out about Captain Luther. Um, they were calling him the Stranger. Uh, so it, it probably I should have not put on my Lois Lane hat and dig a little dig in to find out, but I'm. I'm pleasantly surprised with this take on Luther. Um, I, it does make kind of make me wonder what's going on with the Lex with, Luther from Supergirl. I was going to uh, say the fact that we're going to have two Luthers because they haven't called him Lex, right? They just call him Captain. They've only called him Captain Luthor or just Luthor. Um, yeah, they haven't called him Lex. So 
we're not really certain what his backstory is. And for all we know, a, a good twist on this is he could be the son of Lex Luthor. We don't know. I, I mean, he's just we just know he is a Luthor. Um and and all that entails. So I'm 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 reserving judgment. I I kind of honestly I kind of don't have any sort of expectations about his backstory. I'm not overly worried about the two Luthor two Luthors uh, on the on um this earth because again, we don't know how we don't know where Supergirl is kind of and not just Kara, but just the show Supergirl fits in this timeline. Well, I'll tell you where it fits in this timeline. It fits in that it was canceled. Luke, now... Well, no, I'm just saying, like, (laughs) this is the final season of Supergirl. There's not going... Unless she crosses over to make a cameo on Superman and Lois, which I would expect that she would, do you expect any... Like, I don't want nor do I expect any form of Supergirl bleeding into Superman and Lois. No, other no, no, than no. cameos. No, no, no. I, I expect, you know, the, the occasional cameo, the special guest episode, because Cousin Kara is going to come kind of maybe help fill in the gaps about some of the timeline and the boys learned that their cousin has is Supergirl. I, the, I expect that to happen at some point. I, you know, and it may not even be this season because remember, you know, we didn't get a on-screen Superman on Supergirl until the second season. So, it, but I, I do think that you know, at some point, we got to kind of address this timeline issue and where Kara sits. It's it's certainly not a priority for me because I think there's so much here, just what we're getting in these first two episodes to unpack, that I'm just really loving it. I'm really intrigued about, uh, about Captain Luther's Earth, his relationship to General Sam Lane. I love that, you know, he he saw a little opening there already. He's he's trying to you know force a wedge between uh, Clark and. General Lane, you know, and because this is an interest because we we have between Clark and, and General Lane is this interesting sort of dynamic in which, you know, he's more or less OK with his son-in-law. He 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 just thinks that Lois, you know, just has some blinders on about certain things. So I'm really curious about Captain Luthor and uh, Sam Lane's relationship or dynamic evolving in upcoming episodes. When you talk about the, your curiosity about which Earth L- Captain Luther is from, when I was watching it, the visuals, the cinematography from it made made me think of the alternate universe in which Captain Cold was on, where Captain Cold is a good guy. And Because do you remember how, and they were in battle, do you remember when we had those cro- like the crossover episodes? And I, I I can't remember which crisis it was or if it was actually crisis, but like I can't remember which crossover event it was or if it was actually crisis where we went to that alternate Earth and there and Captain Cold was a good guy there. Do you remember that? I think I believe that may have been cri- uh, that may have been Earth X. Okay, crisis Earth X. So when I got when I saw Captain Luther's. Clark in the black 
Superman suit, that Earth is immediately where my mind went to. I don't know if that's the case, but that's where my mind went to. Because in a world where a Luther is the good person would also be the world in which Captain Cold is a good person. The cinematography of the war fields and that thing had many of those same visuals for me. And so that's where what I immediately asked, and that's why I was I was going to actually ask if you thought that that was where it was. Um, but for me, that's what my for, my impression was when I saw it. Um, and but, I was going to say it could it could very well be an updated version because again we're post crisis, so it could be an updated version of that Earth. I an well, alternate if they're, if they're but the, if all the worlds have been merged, he could just be having memories of the the original one, you know. Yes, I mean, but. So we know that there the worlds have been merged, but again, there are other alternate Earths because Stargirl clearly takes place on one of those quote unquote new alternate Earths. Are we, we know sure that. on that? No, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure about that it's because it's been referenced. Because, because well, the reason why I asked that is because after the crisis event. You know how they said that they all merged, and then after they said they all merged, we got that flash of worlds that apparently didn't merge that included the Teen Titans? Yeah. The Teen Titans and Doom Patrol were basically the two Earths where it seemed like they didn't merge. And I thought that those were the only two. Well, well, and then Stargirl is on an alternate Earth as well because in the recent casting news for... Stargirl, uh, the we're going to get the Flash's version of Jay Garrick, Garrick visiting her Earth and establishing himself as a member of that Justice Society. Um, Entertainment Weekly had dropped that that nugget a little uh, a little while ago. So so Stargirl is definitely on another Earth. Um, we and then with this, it's just you know. With again, they can use re- crisis to retool just about anything. I mean, it's clear as day they've done it for Superman and Lois. Um, but it just it, disappoint- it just disappoints me that after everything we went through with all those Earths and how they said that they were going to condense it for us to now be having a whole bunch of Earths again, like why overcomplicate it? It's meta. It's very meta. It's very DC Comics. I it's- know it is, but but you know how many problems DC Comics has had over the years trying to fix their many mistakes? I feel like we're going down that path again. So as we wrap this up, <laughs> what are your final thoughts on Superman and Lois, episode one and two? Um, overall, I think that as a... If you're just looking at both episodes um, together, I think this is a wonderful setup. Um, it's clear, clear. If you are a lapsed uh, sort of CW Arrowverse viewer, you should be watching this show. I think that it you you get enough information in that pilot. You don't need. I mean, you don't need to worry about the crisis. You don't need to worry about those other shows. You don't need to worry about what's going on with Supergirl. You get all the information you need. In that pilot, the second episode carries things for carries the ball a little bit further, deepens the relationships. Um, I'm intrigued by the Cushing, the Lang Cushing household. We got a little bit a peek into that household a little bit more in episode two. Um, we've set up, you know, tension between Kyle uh, Cushing, uh, Lana Lang's husband, and Lois that I see will play out. 
throughout the season. I'm curious to see Jordan and Jonathan settle more into Smallville life and what that means for the two of them. I, I, I'm I'm all in. I out of so out of five stars. Um, I honestly, I again because of that little nigga with Martha, I, I have to give it a four point seven five. <laughs> I have never heard of a niggle until today. <laughs> and now I've heard it more times in one setting than I have in my entire life. <laughs> I have heard of a quibble, though. So maybe your niggle is my quibble. It is a quibble. They, they are it's the same thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I As I said earlier, I love the pilot. I love the second episode. For me, this is the Arrowverse grown up. And... I give it five out of five. I highly recommend it. If you're looking for something that is not going to be, at least in the first two episodes, your villain, your crazy creature of the week that you have to somehow top every single time, which is what Flash has fallen into its trap, this is the show that you want to watch. This feels like something... How do I put this? If Doom Patrol and Titans was not on HBO, I would say that Superman and Lois feels like the first Arrowverse show that would be worthy of premium cable. Yeah, I would definitely I, I would definitely agree with you. This is like a, a premium cable Superman show. Right. Um, and and not just because we get the short we're getting like 15 episodes versus a standard 20 or 22, you know. Right, right. Well, on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr, and Mel is at DrMo77. <laughs> I'm I Mel now. I'm Mel. Oh, my God. Well, the crisis has changed me from Mo well, to Mel. <laughs> well, no, the crisis has changed you three times because... Autocorrect in crisis changed you to no, and I just changed you to Mel. You can find Mo on Twitter at Dr. Mo77. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Up, up, and away! <laughs>